What's up, revelers and weirdos? It is I, Zul, the gatekeeper. And welcome to another magnificent episode of Scaring Sam. And this week, of course, we're going to be talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife, like everybody else. But this kind of gives me an opportunity to talk about ghost stories and the history of ghost stories in general. So, Afterlife kind of like a framing device for the episode. Of course we're going to talk about it, but we'll get round to it. Because it's the festive season, and you know what that means? Ghost stories. The nights are long, there's a chill in the air, shadows lurk in every dark corner. Winter is the perfect time to immerse yourself in some creepy supernatural tales. I don't make the rules, blame Charles Dickens. We just continue the tradition here at Scaring Sam. And hey, while I remember, leave a five star review. We've earned it. I'll even consider it your Christmas present to us. Is that too bold to say? Maybe. But hey, it's Christmas. Get in the spirit. Be generous. Five star review. Much obliged. Sam, you here? Sam? Sam, Sam, Sam? Sam's not here. Unfortunately, it's also musical season too, so she's off enjoying a show with her mum. I hate musicals. No, that's too strong. I don't like musicals. I also don't like dragging my face across concrete. Musicals are my equivalent of a horror movie. Two hours of people in flamboyant clothes expressing their feelings through song and dance. I want to love you through all of time and space. But first, let me jizz on your face. No thank you. Hard pass. I also wasn't invited, I should add. I wasn't invited. I'm here on my own, surrounded by cats, while Sam enjoys a musical and ice cream. I hope you can live with your life choices, Sam. You do you. You do you. You enjoy that ice cream. She probably did invite me, but I just forgot. Anyway, ghosts. Ghost stories. Ghostbusters. Every civilization at any point in time likely has some form of mythology surrounding things that go bump in the dark. Ghosts have been a part of our culture longer than you think. Longer than I thought, until I did research. Yeah, it's amazing, we actually do research for this show. A tablet made in ancient Babylon around... 1500 BCE? What does BCE mean? Maybe I should have researched that. Anyway, that tablet may be the earliest known depiction of a ghost. The object provides instructions on how to exorcise spirits by making figurines of a man and a woman. Prepare two vessels of beer, excellent, and at sunrise, call upon the Mesopotamian god Shamash, who delivered ghosts to the underworld, and then transfer the ghost into one of the figurines. Sounds like a good night. Almost 2,000 years ago, I'm guessing this is after BCE, maybe, the earliest documented account of an actual ghostly visitation came from a letter by Pliny, I guess that's how you pronounce it, Pliny the Younger. While staying at a house in Athens, a Greek philosopher encountered a ghost of a man bound in chains who led him outside only to vanish suddenly in the courtyard. The day after, 
the philosopher ordered the ground to be dug up at the spot where the spectre stood, and they uncovered the skeleton of a man, chained. This story, whether or not it's true, remains the blueprint of countless ghost stories that reverberate throughout history. The restless apparition, cursed to roam the earth until it receives a proper burial. The chained Jacob Marley, condemned to carry the weight of his sins for the rest of eternity. The Scolelli brothers in Ghostbusters 2, forever locked into the electric chairs that took their lives. In some shape or form, you have recounted this ghost story from a memory. It has been passed down to you. You may not remember when or where this occurred, and yet this story is familiar to you, like it's embedded in your shared ancestral DNA. It's a story that lasts for ions. Or is it eons? I'll say eons. Yeah, sounds better. What I love about the OG Ghostbusters and what they carry over to afterlife is this great world building when it comes to the supernatural. The ancient god, Goza, the Destructor, worshipped by Ivo Shandor and his coat, who designed 55 Central Park West in New York, using unusual materials to serve as an antenna to summon their god, which is revealed in afterlife the highly conductive selenium was mined from an ancient mountain in the Midwest, where Shandor owned the town. This attention to detail in the original script is all down to Dan Aykroyd's doing. When he's not promoting his vodka, Dan Aykroyd is all in when it comes to his belief in the paranormal. You could say it's all he has ever known, because his family have had a long history dabbling in paranormal research. His great-grandfather kept a journal of his studies, while his father wrote the history of ghosts. From the 1920s, his family invited a medium over to their old farmhouse where he allegedly summoned spirits from other realms. Allegedly. Being raised hearing these tales formed Aykroyd's lifetime fascination in spiritualism, leading him to co-write those first two Ghostbusters. He may not have seen any full-bodied spirits himself, but he has experienced objects moving, disembodied shadows, and something spooned him in his bed at his old LA home. Okay, have we dwelled on that long enough? Okay, moving on. Aykroyd has also had not one, but four close encounters with UFOs. Allegedly. And to top it off, he believes the Men in Black shut down one of his TV shows. Allegedly. So, yeah, Dan Aykroyd takes the paranormal very seriously, allegedly. So now we come to Ghostbusters Afterlife. What can I say? It could never compare to the original. That was never going to happen. The original was lightning in a bottle, a rare feat that can't be replicated. They couldn't even capture the same magic with the 1989 sequel. So no way in hell was it going to happen now. Or in that 2016 Ghostbusters movie, which nobody likes to talk about. Maybe we'll discuss it another time, but hopefully not. But Ghostbusters Afterlife has heart. It has a big beating heart in its chest. It's drastically more poignant and emotional than the original and that's the reason why I can forgive it for being incredibly derivative in its third act. 
Seriously. Beat by beat, the third act of Afterlife repeats the original only in a rural setting rather than in the city. Slight little retweaks here and there, like you get an army of tiny stave puff marshmallow men instead of one giant kaiju monster, but ultimately it's the same outcome in the end. Except Egon's family get to reconcile with his ghost in the final moments of the film? Spoilers. But that's why I say Afterlife has a big heart. Now, I think that comes down to Jason Reitman's approach to telling stories compared to his father. Look at his other films. Look at Up in the Air. That film is just pure heart, but it's heartbreaking come the end. It's really sombre, kind of depressing, really. But you've got to remember, Jason Reitman isn't his father. He's going to approach the subject of Ghostbusters differently. So if you're expecting the same thing, if you're expecting that same magic of the original you're going to be disappointed. So kind of reserve that fault and just go into Ghostbusters Afterlife with an empty mind. See what you get out of it. Me and Sam, we thoroughly enjoyed it. Egon has sacrificed everything in this story. His friends, his family, New York. He even abandons his daughter, who now hates him and science, to move to this dirt pile in the middle of nowhere. Why? Because he wants to prevent the end of days and save the rest of us ungrateful apes from Goza the Destructor. Yes! Flat Top is back with their loyal demon dogs by their side. And Goza gets this great update on their very 80s costume. Yeah, it looks the same from a distance, but now it's this spiky translucent exoskeleton kind of xenomorph-like in places, although when I say that, the xenomorph weird half-breed from Alien Resurrection, but in a good way, if you understand what I mean. You understand if you see the film, only it has all this electricity coursing underneath it. It does look badass. I mean, I had a bit of reservations thinking, oh, are they bringing Goza back in what form? Because Goza can take any form, but apparently it settles for this really dated 80s style, but it got a bit of an update and I liked it, I appreciated it. The rest of the cast, McKenna Grace is incredible as Phoebe, McKenna Grace is incredible in everything. She played younger Theo in Haunting on Hill House and was great in that as she's great in this, but her back must be hurting for carrying this entire movie. Paul Rudd is effortlessly solid as per usual, and yes, he doesn't age, he's a vampire. Logan Kim does a great impression of a mini Ray playing podcast. Yes, there is a character called Podcast, because podcasts are popular right now. Everyone's doing them. Wink, wink. Five-star review. And Finn Wolfhard as Trevor is there. He's just there to fill one of those jumpsuits. But if I'm being brutally honest, I could have done without seeing the OG Ghostbusters back. Not in this way, at least. There's absolutely no build-up or fanfare for their arrival. They just show up in the final battle. And clearly Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray and Ernie Hudson shot their scenes on a soundstage with green screen. Because they stand stationary beside the Ecto-1 for the entire battle. Every time we cut to them, it's as if Jason Reitman loses his cinematic flair. It's jarring. 
and once you pick up on it, you can't ignore it. Bill Murray gives absolutely zero fucks because he's Bill Murray. He clearly doesn't want to be there, but he's turned up out of obligation. So he delivers this half-assed performance. And it's painful to watch when you compare the energy he brought to the original. Yes, he's an old man now, but Bill Murray always gives his all in a Wes Anderson film. So you know he's still got it when he commits. And this film, he clearly does not. So, what's that saying? Be careful what you wish for? Yeah, you wanted the OG Ghostbusters to come back in some capacity. And I'm quite happy to see Ray on the other end of a phone delivering exposition. But when they turn up at the end to help with the final battle and don't really contribute that much, I could have done without it. I really could have. But it does lead to this very emotional moment when you see Harold Ramis essentially brought back to life. And seeing the film dedicated to him too, it got to me. I won't deny it, it got to me. Is this film essentially an apology to him because they tried so long to get another third Ghostbusters film but someone, usually Bill Murray putting a kibosh on it because he wasn't satisfied with the script and it went on and on and on and it never got made in Harold Ramis's lifetime. You could say this is kind of an apology, but it's still an emotional moment and it still got to me. Who wouldn't want the opportunity to see their loved ones for one last time and say goodbye properly? The original Ghostbusters got to save New York and in Afterlife, Egon's friends and family get to honour his legacy. It's touching stuff. And that's a rare thing to say in one of these big budget, soulless, money-making blockbusters these days. So kudos to Afterlife for that. So that was Afterlife. For me anyway, that's what I got out of it. I'm not going to waffle on about it forever because I'm just here talking to a microphone. I've got no one to bounce off. We probably have the same opinion as everyone else who's talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife right now. But this is what I got out of it. Did you like it? Me and Sam loved it. Afterlife currently has a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 93% audience score. Nostalgia wins again! It's a perfect companion piece to the original and to be honest I don't need to see another sequel. By the end of this film they don't really give much material to make another sequel if I'm being honest. And if they do make a sequel, and let's face it if it makes enough money it inevitably will happen, are we going to get a... Last Jedi situation going on again? I mean, yay, we really want to see that, don't we? Vigo the Carpathian can fuck right off. And that's all I've got to say on the matter. This has been Scaring Sam. It's a short episode, I know, but you got a big bumper episode last time. So, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. I have been Zool the Gatekeeper. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ScaringSamPod. And you can contact us at scaringsampod at gmail.com. Stay safe out there tonight. <laughs>